Well, in April of 2020, during the COVID lockdowns, there's a guy named Rob Kenny who started a YouTube channel to shoot videos for his kids. It's basically just for his kids, and it turned into a thing for his grandkids, and he shot these videos. The first video he ever shot was how to tie a tie, and it was just like a two-minute video, shot it on his iPhone, posted directly to his YouTube channel, and he, you know, just said a bunch of dad stuff, and then he did one about how to shave, how to change your oil, how to change a tire, and he just shot these, like, little, tiny, random little videos, and it didn't take long for his following to grow. In fact, Today, Rob has 4.6 million subscribers on YouTube, and he's only posted 200 videos in three years, which is not that much. And all it is is tiny little videos, and his channel is called Dad, How Do I, and that's it. That's what his video is called. Uh, he's 4 million subscribers. Why? Well, because he's just kind of posting dad videos. You know when you ask your dad, it's like you have a flat tire, you run out of gas. Who's the first person you call? You're like, Dad, what do I do about this? Dad, how do I hang a shelf in my college dorm room? Dad, how do I do this? How do I unclog the toilet? Dad, how do I unclog the drain? All these questions, he has 200 videos that you could go on his YouTube channel and check out. Now, there's nothing special about this guy, no offense, uh, <laughs> but he's not your dad, right? he's not my dad, but there are millions of people across the world that look to this guy for advice just because he gives practical advice on a lot of questions that you might have, and in fact, he throws in some dad jokes there. He's really embraced the, the dad vibe, as you would. If you got four million subscribers just for posting two-minute YouTube videos about fixing toilets and uh, learning how to shave and things like that. But I think what that shows us is it exposes a need that many of us have for some fatherly advice. All of us need it at times. We don't always seek it out all the time, but when the time comes, we're like, I need some help. And usually the people we turn to are father figures in our life. And I want to tell you that the Bible has a book that's all about that. The Bible has a book that's written from a father to a son about how to live the right way. It doesn't give examples about how to you know, change a tire or check your oil. But the book of Proverbs that we're going to study this summer does tell us a lot of things. Here's just some examples of things it talks about. Proverbs gives us wisdom on how to be young, how to be old, having parents, how to be a good and godly parent. Talks to us about our words, about gossip, about lying and deception. Proverbs teaches about friendship, peer pressure, forgiveness. The book of Proverbs teaches about sex, lust, marriage. It teaches about alcohol and drugs. It teaches about money, riches, greed, poverty, and debt also teaches about generosity. The book of Proverbs teaches about depression and anxiety, pride and humility, laziness and hard work, sleep, gluttony, what we should be eating, our diets, envy, the fear of man, government, and leadership. Those are just some of the things that this one tiny little book of Proverbs talks about. That might not be 220 things, but that's a lot of things right there that the book of Proverbs teaches us about. And here's what I want to do this summer. As we start this series and start talking about what it looks like to learn how to be a godly person and a wise person, I want us all to turn to the book of Proverbs and gain wisdom from it. That's what today's all going to be about. How do we gain wisdom from this book of Proverbs? How can we be wise, godly people who just make good decisions? Not even just spiritual decisions, but just your everyday, normal decisions. That's what the book of Proverbs is all about. So if you've got a Bible, and I hope you do, please turn to Proverbs chapter 1. We're going to read the introduction today. We're going to pop around to different parts of the book of Proverbs. Uh, we're not going to cover everything that's in this book, 
We don't have enough time to do that. But what we are going to cover is what it looks like for us to listen to God's words. That's really the posture I want you to take. As you come to this, I want you to say, I want to learn from what God's word has to say. If there's a book that's all about practical life skills, I need to listen to it. I need to know about it. I need to plug into the book of Proverbs. That's what we're going to talk about right now. Proverbs 1, verse 1, the beginning of this book says, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. So we learn some things right there in the first verse. This comes from a wise person named Solomon who prayed to the Lord and asked for wisdom. God said, you can have anything you want. And in 1 Kings 3, he says, I want wisdom. That's what I need. He says, because I feel like I'm a kid trying to govern this whole country. I feel like I'm just a child. I need wisdom. That's what he asked God for. And God gave to him not just wisdom, but he gave him all the other things he didn't ask for, like honor and wealth and prosperity and peace. He gave him all those things. This comes from Solomon, son of David. So he had a righteous and godly father too. That's helpful. If you're going to learn from somebody, it is helpful if they have a godly father who instructed them, and he's the king of Israel. Problem is, before we jump into the the things that the book of Proverbs does, because verse 2 all the way to 6 are going to give us the purpose of this book of Proverbs. It's going to tell us what the end result of us studying this book is going to be. But before we do that, I want to think about what the word proverb means. What is a proverb? A proverb is not the same as a promise. So if you open God's word, And it says something about, hey, if you're diligent, those are going to be the people who have more than enough. But the lazy people, they're not going to have enough bread to eat. When you read a proverb like that, that's a principle. So a proverb is not a promise that every time someone works hard, they'll get money. (laughs) And every time someone's lazy, they won't have anything. That's not what the book of Proverbs is meant to do. It's meant to show us the general principles of how God's world works. It's different than maybe if you're reading a prophecy. Maybe let's think of Isaiah 53 that says the Son of of God is going to be pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. Like that's a specific promise made that is fulfilled when Jesus comes. A proverb is something that you don't even need to be a Christian, but you can take it into daily life and you'll see how it works out in in our everyday lives. That's what a book of Proverbs is all about. Proverb literally means uh, to represent something or to be like something or to be a comparison. So it's like these little simple phrases that you can take, look at, and see what do these represent. It's like I read the book of Proverbs. It says something about money, let's just say. And it says, oh, yeah, yeah, you shouldn't be greedy. You should, you know, give for the first fruits of what you have. You should be generous because God will supply things for you. Okay, great. That's a proverb. You take that, you look at it, and then here's what you can do. You can see in your daily life and in the lives of others how this plays out in real life. One little proverb, but it represents even more. One little statement, but you see how it works out in your daily life if you're diligent to look at it. That's what the Proverbs are all about. Look what it does. Verse number two. He says, here's the point. To know wisdom and instruction. To understand words of insight. That's a big thing right there. Three things he says. You want to know wisdom, instruction, and understanding. Three words that are going to be very important for what we study this morning. That's the book of Proverbs. We're supposed to be wise. We're supposed to be instructed, and we're supposed to understand. Verse 3 says, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. So not only are we like learning to be smart or learning to be skillful livers, but no, not just that. The end result is that the people in your life, the people in my life, if I'm good to study this book, will see righteousness, justice, and equity. So like it builds our moral character, 
and it helps the people around us if we take the book of Proverbs to practice. Verse 4 says, to give prudence to the simple and knowledge and discretion to the youths. So two groups of people there. The simple, which in the book of Proverbs is describing this group that is naive or they just don't know better. It's not that they're stupid. It's not that they're foolish in the sense that they're rejecting what God's word says. They're just untaught, right? They're they're the people who don't know better. So he says, here's what the book of Proverbs is meant to do. If you are a simple person, that doesn't mean you're stupid. It just means you don't know better. It means you're naive, right? Okay, if you're a simple person, what is this book supposed to do? It's supposed to give you prudence, which literally means shrewdness. So like, it's supposed to train the way you think so that you become an expert thinker. A simple person can become an expert thinker? Yes. How? By the book of Proverbs? Yes. That's the promise. And for youths, for people who are young, knowledge and discretion. Discretion means the ability to make the right decisions. So are you saying that if I read the book of Proverbs, I take it in, and I follow its leadership, does that mean I'm really going to make better decisions? Yeah, if you follow what the book of Proverbs says. You will make better life decisions. You'll make better decisions about your relationships. You'll make better decisions with your words. You'll make better decisions about where to go to college and what to study. You will make better decisions if you follow the leadership of the book of Proverbs. That's what he's saying here. Verse 5 talks about a different group of people. He says, if you're wise, let the wise hear and increase in learning. So this isn't just for uneducated people. This isn't just for youths. This is for you, even if you think you're the godliest, most knowledgeable Christian in the room. He says, okay, if you're wise, this is for you too. You should hear and increase in learning. If you're wise, that means you have some learning. Like, you've read the Bible. You know how God's world works. But even for you, it says you should increase in learning. And to the one who understands, let's say you are an understanding person, right, a smart person. Well, you can obtain guidance. Right? Not every smart person has a good choice in their life. They don't make good choices always. You can be really smart and yet do really dumb things. So he says here, even if you're understanding, even if you are intelligent, you can obtain guidance through what the book of Proverbs says. Verse 6 says, and also, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The idea is, you study the book of Proverbs, what's the end result? That you can sit and listen to wise people, people who are smart and godly. You can hear them talk about life, and you can be, oh, I get that. Oh, I thought about that before. Oh, the book of Proverbs says that. So it's like, it's a decoder ring to understand what smart people are talking about. That's what verse 6 is trying to say. The book of Proverbs teaches us to think, and not only to think for ourselves, but when we hear really smart people talk, we, are, we start to understand what they say, because we know the book of Proverbs. That's the purpose of the book. Look at verse 7. The first instruction, the first command is what we're going to cover today as well. It says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That might not be where you would expect the beginning of knowledge to be. The beginning of knowledge maybe would be in realizing that we can have conscious thoughts or thinking that, you know, I want to be wise. That's not the beginning of knowledge. The beginning of knowledge is that you would fear God. What does that mean? That you, as a person, would recognize that there is a God who's there, who's your creator, who's holy and righteous and just, who sees all that's going on in this world, and who has all power, and who will one day be the judge. To have that understanding of God is the beginning of your knowledge. If you reject that key essential part, 
that I want to fear God. I want to recognize who he is and have the right sense of awe and worship of him. You miss that part, you can learn a lot of things. You can. Like There's a lot of smart people in this world that don't fear God. But he says you'll never be wise. You'll never really understand how the world works because if you're missing the key component to how everything in this world works, if you're missing God, you'll only understand in part. You won't get the full picture unless you fear the Lord. He says that's the beginning of knowledge. And in the Hebrew text, it literally ends with the word knowledge, that first half. And then it says wisdom and instruction, which, by the way, knowledge, wisdom, instruction should kick you back to verse number two, which said that's the whole point of this book, that we'd have wisdom, knowledge, understanding, all that. But he says fools despise. They look down on wisdom and instruction. They say, I don't want to listen to it. They say, I don't care about living right. They say, I'm going to live my life the way I want to live it. I'm going to make decisions for what I think is best. I don't care what some old book says. I'm going to do what I want to do. I don't care what my parents think. I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. The proverb says that a fool does that. A fool. That's a character we're going to be introduced more um, in the next sermon. We'll talk about that more next time. But the idea is someone who takes what they know to be true and rejects it. And says, I'm going to follow my heart anyway. I'm going to follow my passions anyway. I'm going to do what I want to do, even though I know it's not the right thing to do. The Bible calls them foolish. For the people who don't know better, the Bible calls them simple. Right, we'll encounter the simple person here in our text. I just want to introduce you to all this, because think about it. If the Bible really teaches godly wisdom from a reliable source on how the world works, you better listen. Right, part of the problem with all this is you might throw a red flag at the beginning and say, okay, there are plenty of people who claim to know how the world works. There's plenty of online courses you could take or master classes or whatever that you pay into, right? That you say, this guy knows how the world works. This girl, she'll teach me how the world works. There's plenty of people who claim that. But we're always left with the question of like, well, do they really know what they're talking about though? Like, should I really listen? Should I really buy in? Because, you know, if I'm gonna live my life a certain way, I, I wanna buy into the truth but I don't know if they really know the truth. It's where the book of Proverbs, as a part of God's inspired word, as the book of 2 Timothy 3 says, is perfect. It's breathed out by God. It's useful for teaching, reproof, correction, and training. Jesus, in John 17, 17, said, your word is truth. That whatever you find in the pages of scripture, you can trust that this is a true, infallible, unerring guide for life. There are a lot of people who might say things that agree with the Bible. And when they agree with the Bible, great. But when they disagree with what the Bible says, the Bible is the thing that's true. Not the smart sounding thing that you heard someone say. That's important before we dig in to any of this. The first thing I want you to understand, point number one, I want you to appreciate the function of the, of the Proverbs. I want you to appreciate the function of the Proverbs. How does it all work? Right, these first six verses really hit on this. How does the Proverbs work? What are they for? What do they teach us, right? That's why on your outline, there's a lot of different subpoints and things like that. The reason is I want to define some of these terms because we hear words like wisdom, instruction, understanding, and we just kind of lump those in and say those are like synonyms, right? Spell synonym. Diego, can you pronounce synonym? Synonym. I love that in spelling, but we had a word spelled wrong. That was really good. Um, anyway. Wisdom, instruction, knowledge. Like, what, are those all the same thing? They're not all the same thing. They're related words, but in the book of Proverbs, 
the author like uses these different words at different times and they mean different things. Sometimes they're not even translated as wisdom, instruction, or understanding. Sometimes they're translated differently. But I want to talk about what those are. The first word is the word wisdom. That's why on that first subpoint, I want to understand the word wisdom. So the very first line, you see there's a line and then there's like an arrow to a definition. Okay? The first word is wisdom. Let's define that real quick. Wisdom means uh, it, the Proverbs help us live skillfully. Uh, that's the first subpoint. Wisdom, what does that mean? It means the Proverbs, their function is the Proverbs help us live skillfully. The word wisdom in Hebrew is not always translated wisdom. Sometimes it's translated skillful. In fact, that word is used in Exodus 28 in the section where in the DBR you just kind of read over it really fast because it's like they make the priestly garments and they, they build the tabernacle. And, and that, that section in Exodus 28 says, well, who did they pick to make the garments for Aaron? Who did they pick? Well, they picked the wise men. Not the wise men, the skillful men. It's the same word, though. So it says these men that are able to use their hands, like they're craftsmen. They're men of ability. In fact, in the book of Deuteronomy, the word is used, uh, the same word, wisdom, is used for ability. Men of ability, like craftsmen. Right? You, you know, there's some of you that can use your hands really well to draw amazing things, right? I can never use my hands that way. They're, I don't know, they just can't do it. I can't draw. Right? But some of you are amazing artists. You can just draw things. You can sketch things with pencil. You can color things in with watercolors or whatever, you know. Maybe that's lame, but... Whatever, you're creative. But you've got the skill, the skill of your hand, really that's connected to the skill of your head of seeing something and, and drawing it. That's the word wisdom, skillful. The men who created Aaron's garments, they were skillful men, living skillfully. What does that mean? It means that instead of fumbling your way through life and making mistake after mistake and bad relationship after bad relationship and bad decision after bad decision and bad job after bad job, Instead of fumbling your way through life, wisdom means that you can be skillful to say, this is the path I'm going to take. Then I'm going to turn right, then I'm going to turn left. But I'm making good decisions along the way. That's what wisdom means. It helps us live skillfully. If you're in Proverbs 1, turn over to Proverbs 4 real fast. Turn to the right in your Bibles. Proverbs 4, verse 5. Talks about wisdom again here. But I just want to press this on you and say, okay, you better seek wisdom. Wisdom does not come automatically. You gotta seek it. Proverbs 4, verse 5 says, Get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. This is a father speaking to his son. If you look at verse 1, it says, Hear, O sons, a father's instruction. So he's pressing this on his son. He says, Don't forsake what I'm telling you. Verse number 6. He says, Do not forsake her. Like pretending like wisdom is a girl. He's like personifying it as a woman. It's like, don't, don't forsake her. Don't leave her. She'll keep you. Love her and she will guard you. What is he talking about? If you love wisdom and you care about being wise and you care about living skillfully and you care about what the book of Proverbs says and you, you love it and you keep it, well, then it says it will keep you. It will guard you. You will be kept from a thousand bad decisions if, as a high schooler today, you decide, I'm going to listen to the book of Proverbs. I'm going to look to it for guidance. If the book of Proverbs is teaching me something, I want to listen because I want to be kept from bad decisions. It says in verse 7, the beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly, and she will exalt you. She'll honor you if you embrace her. The idea is like 
the more you highly esteem wisdom, the more wisdom is going to help you. If you're a person who despises wisdom and says, okay, Pastor John, you're talking about living skillfully. Like, I don't really care at this point in my life. Like, I'm just kind of doing what I'm doing. I don't really care about adult decisions. I don't really care about growing up. Well, I want to warn you, if your person says, I don't care, you're starting to talk like the foolish person. So I just want to warn you, even if you're the youngest among us, even if you used to be in eighth grade two weeks ago, right? Um, you need to say, I want to live skillfully. Verse number nine here says, she will place on your head a graceful garland. She'll bestow on you a beautiful crown. You'll be honored in this life and in the next. You'll be respected. You'll be favored if you live wisely. You can take all that stuff and put it in the inverse. You choose to not live wisely, you're going to feel the disgrace of making bad decisions that you knew were wrong. Wisdom, living skillfully. The next word is the word instruction. Okay, let's define instruction. Instruction is the word that sometimes translated discipline or correction. So he says, what does the book of Proverbs do? What's the function? Well, it, it gives us instruction. Let it be. Um, instruction corrects destructive behavior. The purpose of the book of Proverbs is that your destructive behavior would be corrected, that you would change the bad paths that you're going down on and saying, I don't want to live on those bad paths. I want to do what's right. I want to be corrected. Proverbs 19.20 says, listen to advice and accept instruction. That means correction. Let someone tell you that you fell short in an area. Take the advice of, let's say, maybe an older person or an adult or a leader. Let them tell you, hey, I don't think you should do that anymore. And when you're like, I don't understand why, you know what this says? Accept instruction. Be willing to say, I don't even understand completely why it is the way it is, but if I've got a trusted person in my life saying, you know, really, your language needs to change, or the way you dress needs to change, or the things that you're doing at school, those things need to change, really. It'd be helpful if they changed. Even if you're not like, even if you don't buy it all the way. A person who's wise says, I want to listen and accept instruction or correction. Proverbs 12, verse 1 says, whoever loves discipline, which is the word instruction, if you're a person who loves to be corrected, which is kind of weird, right? Most people don't love to be corrected. But he says, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. But he who hates reproof is stupid. The Bible uses the word stupid. There you go. Uh, is a moron, an idiot. A person who says, I hate when people correct me because I'm always right. You know, because like, nobody can correct me. The Bible says, you're stupid, even if you think you're smart. In fact, listen to this, Proverbs 26, 12. Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than there is for him. If you are uncorrectable, if you say things and say that, well, this is my opinion, and it just has to be right. This is what I want to do. It's what I've always wanted to do, so it must be okay. And you're not teachable, then you're not a person who's willing to accept instruction. This Bible and this book says you need to be willing to accept instruction and teaching, correction. How does it work? Well, sometimes people confront you one-on-one. -on -one. Sometimes you'll read the book of Proverbs, and it will just hit you, and you're like, man, I do that. You'll read Proverbs 29.11, which says, a fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds back. You'll read that and be like, oh man, I do that sometimes. I give full vent to my spirit. I, I say too much. Man, I need to be wise. I need to hold back. Sometimes you're corrected just by reading God's word. Other times, you're corrected by seeing people's bad example. And we actually see that in the book of Proverbs. 
Like, you know, some people tell you, like, you know, there's different ways to learn. You can learn the easy way or the hard way. The easy way is you learn by looking at someone's bad example and saying, I'm going to avoid that. Learning the hard way is you make the wrong decision and have to learn that way. Well, the book of Proverbs is constantly saying, hey, learn wisdom, take instruction the easy way. Look at people who failed before you. Look at people who've ruined their lives because of their bad decisions. I mean, this book is going to talk about people who ruin their lives because they're lazy and they don't get out of bed. The book of Proverbs is going to talk about men who walk straight into sexual immorality and ruin their entire lives because they cannot control their sexuality. And it's going to warn you. And it's going to be right in front of you. And you're going to say, can I learn from this? Can I take instruction? Or am I going to be a fool and walk down the same path? Listen to this. This is Proverbs 24, verses 30 to 34. The author is saying, I saw a person who was living a life that I did not want to live, and I learned something from it. Listen to this. He said, I passed by the field of a sluggard, a lazy person, by a vineyard of a man lacking sense. And behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. So he's just saying, hey, I walked down the road, and I saw this lazy guy's house. The grass wasn't cut. All, everything was just out of control. The weeds hadn't been pulled. Right? Nothing had been done in this. There's no landscaping. This whole house was just falling apart. The stone wall was broken down. And he says, then I saw and considered it. And I looked, and I received, quote, instruction. That's this word. He says, I received correction simply by looking at someone's bad example." Here's the correction he gets. Here's the proverb that comes. This is verse 33. This is Proverbs 24, 33. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. A little bit of procrastination, a little bit of video games, a little bit of hanging out with friends, and then guess what? The deadline comes so fast. That's what the book of Proverbs says. How did he learn that? He learned that by looking at a guy's bad example. Instruction means we get corrected from destructive behavior, because all of us would behave in ways that it would be self-destructive, and this helps us. The third word is the word understanding. Um, it's a word used all the time in the book of Proverbs, and it's confusing because, you know, people will tell you wisdom is not, you know, smarts. It's like learning how to live rightly. That's true. That's what wisdom means. You know what the word understanding means? It does mean intelligence. It means smart. So the word understanding means this, that the, that the book of Proverbs teaches us how to be intelligent. That's the third thing. Understanding means it, it teaches us how to be intelligent or smart. Like now we're not just talking about like an old wise man who, you know, has never read a book, right? We're, we're talking about, no, this actually teaches you to be smarter than you are. Some of you are naturally very smart. Some of you are naturally not. But the book of Proverbs takes everyone's smarts and it raises it, right? Even if you're not naturally like straight-A, honor student, smart person, you can read the book of Proverbs and you can become smarter because you're more discerning because you think more clearly than all the smart people. I mean, there's a lot of smart people that are really dumb, right? Uh, you ever watch those YouTube videos of like people like interviewing people on college campuses and they're all supposed to be really smart and then they turn out to be really dumb? It's like, but you had like a 4.7 GPA. Like, how did you even get into this school? It's like, you're really dumb. It's like, well, because they, they learned how to do school good, but they're not understanding they can't look at a situation and be like, I know what's going on here. They can't look at a friend group where there's drama and hardship and look at it, take a step back and see it objectively and be like, I know what's going on here. They can't do that because they don't have understanding. The book of Proverbs is meant to teach us understanding. 
Sometimes it's translated intelligence. Sometimes it's translated discernment. Listen to this. Proverbs 14, verse 6 says, a scoffer seeks wisdom in vain. Like a person who rejects wisdom, they might say they seek wisdom, but not really. But knowledge is easy for a man of understanding. If you've been trained, like it gets easier as you go along to pick up the knowledge that the book of Proverbs says. It's hardest when you start. It gets easier as you go along. One one time that it's translated as a funny proverb, Proverbs 17, 28, the word understanding is translated intelligent. Listen to this, Proverbs 17, 28. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise, and he who closes his lips is deemed intelligent. Are you a shy person that everyone says, oh, you must be smart? It's like, no, I just don't say anything, right? That's the book of Proverbs. No, you always, no, I am smart, right? But some of you who think you're smart, maybe you're not smart, maybe you're just quiet, right? Um, no offense. <laughs> maybe you're smart, whatever. A lot of smart people are quiet. But uh, the book of Proverbs says, you know, there are people who look smart when they're not smart, but they just like shut their mouth. But that word intelligent is used here. Let me read it again. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. And he who closes his lips is deemed intelligent. Doesn't mean he is intelligent, but people look at him and say, oh, he must be a smart guy because he's not saying anything right now. Oh, she must be really godly because she's not saying anything right now. Wow. Um, when maybe you're just, you know, thinking about tacos. I, you could be a fool. You could be thinking about sin, maybe. And it's, people still think you're smart because you're not talking. The word's translated intelligent sometimes. Important lesson about understanding and intelligence, though, is if you're a person who thinks of yourself as smart, right, remember, don't be wise in your own eyes, but, listen to this, one time the word is used, is Proverbs 3, 5, one of the most famous verses in the whole book. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. So even if you're a smart person, here's what the book of Proverbs says. Great, be smart, but don't lean on your own understanding. Don't think you've got it figured out completely. Trust the Lord. Look to what God's word says because, you know, you're not as smart as you think you are. You might be a very intelligent person. You might be a straight-A student, but that doesn't mean you're wise. That doesn't mean that you have understanding. He says, trust in the Lord. Don't lean on your own understanding. Those three words are super important. I told you they were important. Now I'm going to give you three more words <laughs> that are in the next subpoint. Because Proverbs 1 says that we'll get wise dealing, we'll instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, judgment, justice, and equity. Those three words... I want you to write down next, righteousness, justice, and equity. What do they mean? It means that the book of Proverbs is meant to build godly moral character. That's the fourth subpoint. Those three words, righteousness, justice, and equity. What's the point of all that? Well, the book of Proverbs is meant to build your moral character. That not only would you do godly things, but you would be a godly person. There's a difference between those two. Right? You understand that there are people who do godly things that are not godly people. There are people who do things that seem good. Jesus talks all about them, calls them hypocrites. They do godly things, but they're not godly on the inside. What does the book of Proverbs do? It's meant to build the inside as well. Not just the decisions, but also your heart and who you are. Righteousness. It means what's good and right and true. It's used of God. It's even used of in Deuteronomy 25 of righteous measurements. So like back in the day, they would have, you know, they, they weren't electronic scales or anything like that. They would have scales and weights that were labeled as a certain amount. But if you were a trickster, right, you could make your weight that you use to measure everything the wrong amount 
and then rip the person off that you were doing trading with. And Deuteronomy 25, verse 15, uses the word righteous, and it says you must have righteous weights or correct weights, just weight. Like, they need to be fair. The word righteous means fair. The word justice does not mean what some people think it means. Like, especially these two words. These two words, justice and equity, have been hijacked by people who don't know God to mean something they do not mean. Justice, equity. They're words that our culture throws around a lot. I mean, all the time. And there are some people who use that word, and uh, it is kind of like what the Bible says, but it's not what the Bible says, and it ruins those words for a lot of people. Justice. Listen to this. Proverbs 28.5 kind of helps us with this. It says, evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand it completely, which is kind of helpful, by the way. If there are evil people, wicked people who are breaking God's word all the time, and they're talking to you about justice, Proverbs 28.5 says they don't even know what they're talking about. They don't understand justice. But you know the people who do are the ones who seek the Lord. You understand who God is, you start understanding justice. Justice, it means to do what's right, to be fair. To have a just world means that there's no need for locks on your door. And there's no need for the court system because guess what? Everyone would treat each other fairly. That would be a just and perfect world, which one day we'll inhabit. But right now, our world is not just because it's filled with unjust people, sinful people. The next word is even, even poorly, even more poorly defined in our world, the word equity. Which I wish they wouldn't have used the word equity here. A lot of translations use the word equity. It's translated in other translations in other parts of even the ESV, upright or integrity sometimes words translated that. Integrity, that's an easy one for you to understand, right? Um, that you do the right thing, even when people aren't looking, right? That, that you're, you're doing right in your life. Sometimes it's actually trans- translated level. Like in uh, Isaiah 26, the word is used to say the path of the righteous is level. The idea like I'm doing the right thing and I'm not like swerving. I'm not going right and left. I, I'm, I'm constantly doing what's right and fair and true. Yeah, equity. Equity in our our world is this term that people in the culture use to talk about stealing things from one group of people and giving it to another group of people. The way the world uses the word equity, it's actually inequitable. It's the opposite of what God means by it. It's just so funny that they're using a Bible word and they're twisting it to mean the opposite of what God meant by that. It means upright. It means having integrity. What happens when you read the book of Proverbs? Well, the function of the book of Proverbs is now you become a person who has this character that you know the right thing to do. Not only are you smart, not only is it a head thing, and like, I understand that wisdom, instruction, understanding are all pretty much a head thing, right? But you see righteousness, justice, and equity, that's a heart thing. Like, that changes who you are on the inside. The book of Proverbs is meant to do that for us as we read it. Here's the problem. Many of us will hear that and say, great, like, that's, I believe all that, but, uh, but I'm already wise. Like, I, I, I'm kind of beyond a lot of this. I don't, I don't need the help from something like this. I mean, I, my, maybe my parents are Christians. Maybe my parents are smart. Maybe, you know, I'm really smart, so I don't really, I don't really need this. Well, Proverbs 1, verses 4 and 5 give two groups of people, or in fact, three groups of people, really, um, that need wisdom. And it's not just the people who don't have it. It's also the people that have it. They need to continue to be guided by it. 
Point number two, I want you to write this down. I want you to admit your need for the wisdom of Proverbs. Let's start there. I want you to admit your need for the wisdom that comes from this book. If you don't think you need it, you can tune me out. And the next you know, 10 sermons that you're going to get this summer on Sunday mornings are going to be like, okay, blah, 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 I got this, I got this, I got this. Um, I want you to just agree today. I, 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 need, I need the wisdom. The first group that needs it is the simple. Right? Proverbs 1 verse 4 says to give prudence to the simple. Prudence is another word that is just a weird word. Like you never use it. Sounds weird. Like what does that even mean? Prudence. Prudence means being shrewd. Uh, so the first group of people is it's for the simple and to have shrewd thinking, right? That's, that's sub-point A. Who's it for, right? Well, the book of Proverbs is for the simple, and what is it supposed to do for them? Well, it's supposed to give them shrewd thinking. You understand what shrewd means? It means, like, crafty, careful, deliberate. Right? Some negative ways that you could translate that are manipulative or cunning or clever or crafty. In fact, it's funny the word in Hebrew is sometimes translated prudence, but the ESV translators use the word prudence when it's like a good thing. But this word, translated prudence, is also sometimes translated evil scheming, even in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 24.8 says that wicked people are evil schemers. You know what the word is? Same word for prudence. It's just in a negative connotation. It's that they're thinking and, and plotting sin. Like we, we hear this in the book of Psalms, we hear it in the book of Proverbs. Like evil people... It's like they plot how to do sin. Even on their beds, they think, what sinful things can I do today? That's cunning. That's craftiness. That is shrewd thinking. So when I say shrewd thinking, I'm not trying to get you to be an evil, crafty, manipulator person, right? But hey, here's the thing. Let's just be honest. Some of us are simple. Some of us are gullible, right? We say, hey, gullible's written on the ceiling. Everybody, we look up, right? Um, that's right. Some of us are like that. Some of us are naturally trusting people. Right? One of the ways, and this is a good thing, some of you are gullible because you, you want to trust people. Right? Again, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but for you, the book of Proverbs is meant to make you a more shrewd thinker. Remember when Jesus, in Matthew chapter 10, said, I want you to be shrewd or cunning as serpents, but innocent as doves? What that means is, Jesus says for us as disciples of him, we need to be crafty and careful and thoughtful and at the same time be as innocent as a dove right a serpent was crafty genesis says it's craftier than any of the other um, animals on the face of the earth right and satan embodies this this serpent and then he makes everyone fall into sin a dove is kind of that represent, representation of righteousness even in the book of matthew the last time the word dove shows up is when it says the Holy Spirit came down like a dove, right? So even the, there's the animal imagery, doves and serpents. What's the idea? You need to be crafty. If you're a simple person, some of you are. You're naturally simple thinkers. You're not naturally trusting. You're naturally, yeah, well, I mean, they said it, so it's probably true. I want you this summer to make it a commitment. I want to be a more shrewd thinker. I want to be more careful. Even if you're a person who's like, I don't like falling for everything. I fall for way too much stuff. Well, then the book of Proverbs is for you. If you're a person who naturally falls for everything, well, then you might be a simple person. That doesn't mean a stupid person. That means a person who needs to grow in shrewd thinking. I mean, look at this. Look at Proverbs 14. I want you to see this in action. Proverbs 14. Turn to the right in your Bibles. Proverbs 14, verse 15. Kind of shows us the pattern. Of, uh, what does a wise person do? Well, they're not like the simple. What does a simple person do? Well, they're going to make some bad decisions. Proverbs 14, verse 15. 
says this. Check it out. The simple believes everything. They're gullible. A simple person is gullible. But the prudent, right? What's the prudent person? A cunning person, a shrewd person. They give thought to their steps. So maybe another way to describe simple is careless, not thoughtful, impulsive, just kind of doing whatever you feel like. He says, well, the simple person, they, they believe everything. The prudent, though, they give thought to their steps. Verse number 16. One who is wise is cautious and turns away from evil. But a fool is reckless and careless. Right? It's like, if, I, if I'm a foolish person, I, I'm going to do whatever I want whenever I want. A wise person is thoughtful enough to think a couple steps ahead. Right? When the world is playing checkers, you're playing chess, Right? Or you're playing 4D chess, right, if you're really into that. Uh, you really want to be thoughtful. You want to see what's happening. You want to see what people are choosing to do. And then, like, the book of Proverbs is that decoder ring. It's like, oh, I get it now. I understand what's going on. If you want to understand, you don't need some, like, you know, secret wisdom injection, right? What you need is the book of Proverbs. You need to sit in the Proverbs. You need to hear what the Proverbs say. You need to mull it over, consider it, turn it over in your mind. Proverbs 22.3 says, the prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. You ever walk into a bad decision? You're like, I should have seen this coming. How did I not know this was going to happen? You ever feel that way after a bad decision, after a, a bad relationship, or a bad something? It's like, man, I should have seen this coming, okay? The Bible says, well, you were simple. You walked right into it. You walked right into the danger. But a prudent person sees danger from afar, whether it be spiritual or physical or what, whatever, and they avoid it. They keep away from a thousand bad decisions because they make one or two good ones. I said Matthew ten sixteen. Jesus tells us this. Psalm 19, verse 7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. You know what the Bible does? It makes the simple people wise. It makes wise the simple. I hope that's a goal for you as we look at this, the simple people. But it doesn't just say the simple. It also gives discretion and knowledge to youths, to young people, okay? Well, let it be. For the young, what does it do? It helps give you discerning decision-making. I know that's kind of a play on words, discerning decision-making, discern, decisions, kind of same thing. But what, what does it mean? It means that you're going to make better decisions, you need the book of Proverbs. Why? So that you can make better decisions. So you can be more discerning. So you can see the two paths that are clearly before you, and you can think, okay, if I take this path, here's probably the four things that are going to happen. If I take this other path, here's the, the three or four good things that's going to happen. To see ahead, to have that foresight. The book of Proverbs gives that to us. If you're in Proverbs 14, turn back to Proverbs 3. Let's just check this out. I want to go all over this book today. Proverbs 3. Proverbs 3, 21. The reason I like this is it starts off with Solomon saying, hey, my son, listen to me. Remember, this is father to son. He says, my son, this is Proverbs 3, verse 21. My son, don't lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, for they will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. Then you will walk on your way securely and your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you won't be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. I even think about that. If I'm living a wise and godly life, your sleep 
gets better because you're not anxious. You're just like, I, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing is right, and I don't have to be worried about it. I don't have to be scared. I, I'm doing the right thing. I'm making godly decisions at school. Why, why would I be nervous? Yeah, people don't like me, but whatever. It's fine. I'm doing the right thing. If you're excluded from friend groups because you're the one who doesn't want to engage in their foolishness, right? look, don't lose sleep over it because you're walking in the right way. It gives this, this assurance and this peace, security. It says, don't be afraid of sudden terror or the ruin of the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence if you keep your foot from being caught. The idea is just keep taking good step after good step, and then it, it's security for you. If you're young, you need that, right? That's why older people will tell you, oh, yeah, if I was your age, right, I would go back and change X, Y, and Z thing. It's like, okay, you know, some of that we should listen to. We should say, okay, well, what would you change? What would you do differently, right? Be wise for you as a young person. Start asking older people, what do you think I should do about this? What would you suggest for me? Some of us don't want to ask older people because we're afraid they're going to tell us, no, I don't think that's a good idea. And you really want to do that thing. It's like, well, um, be wise and hear that advice or not. For the young, decision-making. For the wise, the last group of people, let us see. For the wise, what does it help the wise people do? Well, it gives you deeper guidance and wisdom. If you're wise, the book of Proverbs is still for you. You can't say, I don't want to listen to it. I, I've, I've read this before. No. The book of Proverbs will increasingly give you more wisdom and guidance. The word guidance literally means to, to be a teacher. It's like an instructor. I mean, it's like the guy who did the, you know, hey, dad, how do I do these videos? Right? It's like I'm, I'm taking the right steps, and how do I do that? Well, you're, t- you're teaching me. Okay, when you jump start a car, you put the red on the red, you put, you know, you got to ground it somewhere, and then, you know, you start the car, and, you know, don't, don't touch these, you know, things together, it'll spark. Well, you need an instructor. You need someone to guide you through that. The book of Proverbs says, if you're a wise person, guess what? The book of Proverbs will be like a guide for you. Take you step by step through the decisions that need to be made in your life. And by the way, the wiser you are, God will put you in situations where you need to use that wisdom, and you're always going to feel like, I need more wisdom. I need to know what's right. I need to know how to do this. And I don't know everything. A wise person understands that. So all that's kind of introduction, really, to verse number seven, which tells us where to start in wisdom. This is all just, hey, you need wisdom. Recognize you need wisdom. I don't care what stage you're at. God's word says you need wisdom, okay? But where does wisdom begin? Proverbs 1.7 is very clear about this. Proverbs 1.7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Before we move on, and before we, we're, ta- we're going to talk about that a little bit at Revival, um, but before we you know, dig into that, I want to talk about what does it mean to fear God? Point number three, I want you to start living wisely in the fear of the Lord. Start living wisely in the fear of the Lord. It says, fools despise wisdom and instruction. The Bible also teaches that fools despise God. They look down on God. Say, I don't want to listen to what God says. I don't, I don't believe God's there. I mean, Psalm 14.1, the fool says in his heart, there's no God. Right? That doesn't mean you have to be an atheist to say that. You could be a, a so-called Christian and act like God's not there. And the Bible says, well, you're like being a fool. Fearing the Lord, seeing his power, recognizing who he is. I don't know if you guys saw this, this viral video last, I think it was Friday. There was this tourist from Russia who was in Egypt. Did anyone see this? Got eaten by a shark? Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, and again, he wasn't that far offshore, so this video is of this dude just getting eaten. It's, it's crazy. When I saw it on Friday, it had 11 million views. 
right? So people all over the world saw this, and it was, it's gross. You know, he's, he's out there swimming, and, you know, it says shark attacks. You're like, really? And I'm like, come on. Like, really? Is this really going to happen? And then I'm watching it, and at the beginning, it's like, oh, yeah, there is a shark there. That's crazy. And I'm reading the caption, like, oh, shark attack. Like, oh, okay, like, I'll keep watching because, you know, I'm interested. I want to see what happens here. And then slowly, it's like, you realize this dude's getting eaten, right? And the shark is out there, and, and he's taking steps. Or not steps, but, you know, he's a, he's a shark. Um, he's trying to fight the shark, and it's very clear, like, he's above water, and he's trying to, like, kick down at this shark and punch down. But at some point, it's like all of his coming up to the water for air ends, and he gets pulled down, and he doesn't come back up, and then the shark fin comes up like it was a movie, right? And this guy, you know, on Twitter in front of 11 million people um, got eaten by a shark. Um, if you're, I've heard, I know some people that are from Egypt. One of them said that that area in Egypt, I didn't talk to him about it this week, but I've heard this about Egypt, that there's an area that's super shark infested, like all the time, and tons of tourists are there. And it's funny because I, I saw this video. I'm like, dude, that's what my friend Fareed said. Like he said that there's a bunch of sharks right there and they're all over and they're going to they're gonna bite you. Um, you know, if you're a tourist and you end up in Egypt and you end up swimming in the Red Sea or whatever, and, you know, whatever, I think it's the Red Sea, um, and this is where they're swimming, and people suggest you go in the water, you should probably be like, mm, you know, on even all these touristy beaches, the sharks are right out there, and he wasn't that far away, maybe 200 feet offshore, it wasn't like it was that far but you can't really do very much. And again, it's like, what is somebody going to do? Go out there and swim and try to get them? So eventually a boat showed up, but it was too late. Well, if you're swimming with sharks, even if you're behind one of those dumb glass cages or the metal bar cages, even if you're like that, you should still have a proper fear. If you go into the water without a sense of fear, you would be called a fool, correct? Stupid, correct? Okay. Here's what the fear of the Lord means you recognize who God is. You know that God's a consuming fire. You understand that God is a holy God and his holiness and his righteousness never bends, not even for you. Jesus said in Luke 12, I warn you whom you should fear. Fear him who after he is killed has the authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Jesus tells a group of people who are following him, you should have a proper sense of the fear of of God. You might say, well, I'm a Christian. Doesn't the Bible say that I'm saved from the, from the judgment of God? The Bible does say that. It's good that you point that out. The Bible says that you won't be cast out of God's presence. But the Bible also simultaneously teaches that it is the same God that you're dealing with. Like even the fact that you're not cast out increases the fear of the Lord. You know, Psalm 130 verse 4 says, with the Lord there is forgiveness of sins that we may fear him. I don't know if you ever sense that, but like, if you're next to a, a beast or, or a, a shark and you're not killed, even that sense of like, I escaped, still instills you with this, this like, I, whoa, there's some fear there. There's a high level of respect, which is why using the word respect probably is not good enough because the Bible always uses the word fear. And we always want to define it like, oh, it means respect. Yeah, it does mean respect, like, but like a lot of respect. So much respect that there's some fear. Okay, well, now we're back to the word fear. Uh, or, or the word reverence. Yeah, reverence, but not like you call a reverend, reverend. You know, it's like, okay, you, that's a title for a lot of people. 
No, like you actually reverence or you actually respect highly or you actually fear who God is. That's the beginning of knowledge. That's the beginning of wisdom. Without that, we're not going to make it anywhere. Without that, you're never going to live skillfully because you might know a lot of things, but you'll never make good and godly decisions because it's like, who cares? Proverbs 15 says that the eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. God sees all, God knows all, and he cares about what you do. He cares if you make good decisions or bad decisions, and he knows it all, and nothing is hidden from his sight, not even the things that go on in your mind and your heart. The fear of the Lord keeps us from a thousand other evil things that we might choose to do. The fear of the Lord is going to keep you from saying things that you shouldn't say to your parents. The fear of the Lord is going to keep you from doing things as a boyfriend and girlfriend that you shouldn't do. The fear of the Lord is going to keep you from thinking and looking and clicking on things that you better not do. The fear of the Lord will keep you from that. And in fact, if you have no fear of the Lord, you will do whatever you want. And with no fear of the Lord, without that barrier or that protection that you have, you're not going to be wise. That's where it all starts. Knowing that God is there and fearing him. Proverbs 9, 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Like, you want to be wise, you want to see how the world works, you understand? The best way for you to figure out how the world works is for you to figure out who God is first, and then see how he works in the world. And now, boom, you started to figure out how the world works. A lot of people try it the other way around. They try to figure out how the world works, and then think about how God fits in their worldview. No, no, it starts with God, and then emanates out to how the world works, because it's his world. Proverbs 8.13 says, the fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil. So, the more you fear God, the more you start hating the things that God hates. That instead of being accepting of things that God says are evil, that you're repulsed by the things that God says are evil. Instead of saying, yeah, you know, God says this, but I don't necessarily agree. No, you start to agree with God. How? By fearing the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil. Listen to this, the next part of that verse. Pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech. I hate. I hate it. It's not good. It's bad. It's evil. And the fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil. The more I understand who God is, the more I'm repulsed by evil. Not just out there in the world, right? That's one thing. It's easy to be repulsed by other people that I'm mad at sin that's in my heart the pride or the arrogance that we might show. It's like, I hate that. I'm battling against that. And then guess what? Now you start to actually grow in godliness. Now you actually start to be wise. Where does that start? The fear of the Lord. Psalm 34 says, come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. So David says, hey, you want to know about the fear of the Lord? I'll teach you. Here's what it looks like. What man is there who desires life and loves many good days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. So he says, okay, we want to start fearing the Lord? Here's where it starts. It starts with your mouth. We're not saying everything that you might have said before. You're not using all the same vocabulary or language you're using before. You're not talking about the same things you're going to talk about. Now I'm going to talk differently. I'm going to turn away from evil. I'm going to stop being with people that are evil. I'm going to stop wanting things that are evil. I'm going to spot, stop putting evil things in front of my eyes all day long. I'm going to turn from it and do good instead. 
not just go to bed and go to sleep, but I'm actually going to start doing what's right. And I want to seek peace and pursue it. That I actually want good, godly, flourishing relationships with other people. I want to pursue it. The fear of the Lord is so important that the times when people don't fear the Lord are where it's worse for everybody. In fact, um, today, in our culture, probably is the time, I think, that in, in you know, America at least, uh, people have lost the fear of the Lord. That there's no respect and reverence for who God is, their creator, which God has not changed. He still is creating generation after generation, even though a lot of people don't respect him as the person that he is. They look at his word and try to explain away his rules as some ancient dogma instead of accepting it as the pure, perfect words of God that do not change. When people don't fear God, in Israel's history, there was a time where nobody feared God. Very, very few people in the culture did. What happens in the book of Judges at the end is in Judges 18, 19, 20, and 21, their whole society starts falling apart. And at the end, the last verse of Judges says it's because there was no fear of God. But in Judges 18, 19, 20, 21, there's these political divisions that start between Benjamin and the other tribes. And then society starts to break down. Then the religious people start to be corrupted. And then in particular, there's this sexual perversion that starts in the tribe of Benjamin that leads to all this rampant homosexuality. And right after that, there's a civil war because it's like, this is so bad, we can't keep doing this, that all the tribes get together and say, we've got we to start fighting now. A civil war took place after that. And then after the civil war, you're like, okay, like, how do we rebuild? And then there was this one tribe, Benjamin, that got so bad that all these people decided, they made a promise before God, I will never let my daughter marry someone from the tribe of Benjamin. It got so bad that this tribe was about to die out, so they decided, okay, here's what we'll do. We'll just start kidnapping young girls and make them marry the Benjaminites. And at the end of the book of Judges, all these people start kidnapping young girls and teenagers and forcing them into marriages. Where'd that all start? How did society break? It started with no fear of the Lord. Here's the last verse of the book of Judges. In those days, there was no king in Israel, no leadership, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. That's practically, if not exactly, where we are today, and it will get worse unless you fear the Lord, unless everyone starts to say, I'm going to fear God. And even if the world doesn't fear God, even if they don't, you need to. It leads to good, flourishing healthy relationships. It leads to godly families. It leads to peace. It leads to all the things that the book of Proverbs wants us to get at. I hope that this little introduction today gets you excited to read the book of Proverbs and commit to learning it this summer. Let me pray that God would help us take this wisdom in. Let's pray. God, we recognize that your word is infallible and true. We know that we need wisdom and help. We recognize that we're imperfect and we need correction and guidance from other people and from your word. So I pray that all of us would be willing to submit to what your word has to say. pray that we'd all fear you and see you as we ought to. pray that we would hate pride and arrogance and the way of wicked. We'd hate perverted speech. That we'd hate all that. We'd be righteous in our own lives. That that character would start to build in us. The righteousness and justice and, and uprightness and integrity. 
pray that you would help us do this, not for ourselves and not just so that we would have a good church or a good society or something like that, but that we would fear you because you deserve it, because you're a good God who's been good to us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.